Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Hey guys, we're back for another week of Tis the Podcast, the podcast dedicated to keeping the Christmas spirit alive 365 days a year. I'm Julia. I'm Anthony. And I'm Tom. And I'm feeling winter in the air. No, no. I'm feeling slightly cooler weather in the air. Me Here in too. Oklahoma, at least. There in New York, too. Here, too. It was September Fest in our town over the weekend on Sunday, and it was like the perfect weather for it. Like... High 50s. Oh, so. man, that's so much better than what we have, but I'm not complaining, honestly. <laughs> I would take these low 70s we had this weekend any day. Yeah. It was amazing. We were able to go outside and take Ellie to, Ellie got to go to a park. It was amazing. It's a wicked, wicked trick, though, in Oklahoma, because when the weather cools off, the ragweed, like, hits the ceiling. So, like, I couldn't breathe for the first few days of our glorious weather, but I was still enjoying it. Sarah and I also just booked our tickets for the Great Jack-O-Lantern Blaze, which is around here every September uh, through November. It's a big, um, one of the historic mansions up here, the whole, their whole land. They do amazing uh, Jack-O-Lantern sculptures, moving carousels, tunnels, like carved into the most beautiful designs from scary movie characters statue of liberty made up of jack-o-lanterns but it's amazing they sell out tickets go on sale beginning of september and they sell out by mid-september so we missed it the past two years but like we finally got tickets this year for like mid-october so we're so oh that's amazing picture it didn't happen yeah that's right (laughs) i I say live instagram feed or it didn't happen i will do it Yes. I know that the Instagram stories are popular, but they make me frustrated. Me, me too. too. I prefer Facebook Live. I hate all live, though. I just, the, my problem with Instagram stories is it's gone. Like, you spend this time to create great content, and then it's just gone. At least yeah. Facebook saves it. It does save it. At least, you know, I like when I'm with, I'll see something on Instagram stories, and then when I go back, and when Christine and I have time to sit down together, and I go to look for it, it's already run out of time. It's just yeah. depressing. Well, just make a video and post it on Instagram then so where people can see it. Oh, I don't mean mine. I mean other people's. Right. But I mean, Anthony, when you go to the blaze, Mm -hmm. is there, I'm hoping there's a bonfire, a bonfire, given the fact it has blaze in the title, or is it just because the colors of autumn are awesome there? I have no clue. We'll see. (gasps) I'm so excited to hear about that. I am too. Julia, I have sad news. What? On the day this episode drops, it's 90 degrees again. No, don't say those words to me. Have you taken your kids to Gathering Place yet? We got to go early for the Bank of Oklahoma preview day. um, Because our CEO, yeah, 
We took all but the baby. We left the baby with grandma so we could really enjoy it. It is the coolest place I've ever been that's not like Disney World. It is awesome. Something for all the kids. Christine got to go, but I was out of town. Oh, She got to go go early, and it wasn't crowded at all. She Mm -hmm. got an invite from your bank owner. (gasps) From George Kaiser? From the Family Foundation, yeah. That's awesome. And then, um, so I finally got to go check it out, and I am just going to live there this fall. It's remarkable. Anthony, for you, since you don't know what we're talking about, um, Tulsa has a brand new they've been working on it for years public park called the gathering place mm-hmm. and it is it was attempted to be funded by what a two cent tax increase and mm-hmm. the public said heck no we don't want to give any money out of our pockets so instead um my ceo as well as other huge figures in tulsa pitched in all of their own personal money to create this public thing that's open to everybody and it is, it was architected by a guy in Germany, right? Isn't he like mm-hmm. a German designer? And so the play structures are like what we used to have when we were kids. You know, they're wooden and slightly dangerous a little bit. <laughs> I feel like when I was up in the wooden structure, I'm like, kids could fall and hurt something. And I'm like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is remarkable. And it completely um, is expected to revitalize the whole Riverside portion of Tulsa home values are shooting through the roof and it's beautiful and it used to not be beautiful. Um, you should look it up listeners as well. You should look up the gathering place in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It is pretty amazing. And it was, uh, the lead architect was and designer was, uh, Michael Van Valkenburg and he Mm. does amazing stuff, not just here, but everywhere. Um, yeah, it's just amazing. I think I'm going to start trying to like when I, um, Ellie's in school, I'm going to work remotely at the lodge because it's just so peaceful and beautiful and so bright yeah. there. Yes. So beautiful. So beautiful. I'm pretty sure the architect did a Brooklyn, a Brooklyn park that's known for, that's known for being awesome. He did the I, Brooklyn bridge park. That's it. Brooklyn bridge park. I knew it had Brooklyn in the name. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we're purposefully avoiding talking about the movie we're going to talk about this week, but we got to get into it. Tonight's episode will be devoted to 2016's The Christmas Project, which is a movie based on a book by Matthew Buckley. And the book's kind of a mishmash of two of his books, um, In the Headlights and Bullies in the Headlights. You want to do the synopsis, Anthony? Oh, sure. Put the gun to my head. The Buckleys can't wait for Christmas. All four boys are excited for the holiday and their annual tradition of elving, surprising members of their community with gifts from Santa. Excited, that is, until they learn that they are elving the Hagbart family, a family that bullies the Buckleys at school. Sometimes kindness and charity can give as much to the giver as the receiver. That's what she said. I was thinking friends, <laughs> giving and receiving and receiving, receiving and giving. And giving. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to come back around to the officer friends at some point, doesn't it? At that time, it hit both of them. That's right. <laughs> I'll start with my history. I have zero history with the books. Didn't know they existed in the movie. Had no idea it was a thing either until it popped up on our schedule for literary month which this is our second to last week, by the way, fresh watching and reading for me both. And I only read one of the stories, the one that I noticed had more Christmas in it. <laughs> so I didn't read the chickens one, but um, 
I did quickly read the bullies in the headlights. What about y'all? Anthony? So full disclosure, I didn't read these books just because they were so long. And frankly, the past week has been pretty hectic. So I just couldn't. (laughs) But after watching the movie today on Netflix, thankfully for free, well, besides the Netflix price of Netflix, I am glad I did not waste my time. I loathed this movie to the point it has the potential to shake up my bottom five on this list. That's how much I hated this movie. And I have some ideas why, but we'll get into that when we get into the episode. All right, Tom. um, I looked at two pages of this book and decided I wasn't going to read it. I looked at In the Headlights, and I asked Julia before we started what she thought of the writing style, and she said, it's what you would expect from the movie, and I have to say I agree. I think I read a paragraph and a half, and I'm like, nope, not gonna, not gonna do this. Uh, <laughs> I'm still feeling a little, a little hurt from the time I spent on the Christmas train. Uh, I saw this movie. I didn't actually sit down and watch it. It was kind of a background movie last Christmas, uh, and as a background film, it was okay. When I sat down and actually watched it, I have different feelings. So, so I watched it today for the first time. Literally, I got home from work and put it on. Yeah, and then. Um, Halfway through, thankfully, I got to take a break because um, my in-laws called on Skype because it was Sarah's birthday a few days ago, and uh, we just couldn't sync up before then. And I was so grateful for that break from this film. <laughs> but then as soon as the call ended, I dreaded going back to the film. And I, pro- I probably only finished it like less than an hour after hopping on with you guys <laughs> to record this episode. It's another winner. So, so how close do the books um, go to the movie, Julia? Um, there are some glaring differences, but I'm not sure if that's because I didn't read the first one, and it is somewhat of a mishmash between the two. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how to answer that, but there are some big differences. Um, it was directed by Michael Buster. Not a whole lot to his name. He's directed two other movies and has had some really small acting parts in others. Um, not any big name movies. The book was written by Matthew Buckley, whose real name is Marion Jensen, um, who wrote the In the Headlights series. And then the movie was written by Sally Meyer, who's won some awards for Life According to Penny and has written screenplays for two other Christmas movies, Christmas for a Dollar and Christmas Oranges. I'm sure those will end up on our list at some point or another. Hopefully um, far down the line. <laughs> Both of those, I'm pretty sure, are rated higher on IMDb than this one was. So, so it's a question. Which of us scheduled this one for Book Mom? Not it. Not I me. Did. Yeah, it was Tom. <laughs> so um, one thing about the, the, the writer, this cast, they've all been in the same movies. It's weird. Like so <laughs> All many of, of these? So many of these actors were in Christmas Oranges and Christmas for a Dollar and some movie called Saturday's Warrior. Are they all affiliated with Blue Sky, you know, with the Christian type production? Covenant, Covenant Productions? Yeah, like one I of them. They must be. I feel like it's a very incestuous group. They tend to steal from each other's. Well, this one, is all the. These are all, I think they're all LDS actors. I did see that Michael Buster, one of the small bits that he acted in was a movie in which Kurt Cameron was the leading role. Oh, that's hot. It's got to be a good movie. Yeah, got to be. That guy has a great resume, doesn't he? (laughs) (laughs) So our cast is also pretty short. We've got um, Matthew Buckley is played by Jacob Buster, who's been in USA's Colony and has been in Suits. His face was familiar to me. 
Yep, me too. But yeah, I couldn't nail it down. He's one of those actors, I think, right? Plus he's young and all those young ones tend to look like. Looked like a poor man's Jacob Tremblay. Simon Buckley is brothers played by Anson Bagley. He has a recurring role in Andy Mack and some small one-off roles in other shows. Um, Peter Buckley is uh, played by Josh Reed, who is in A Christmas Eve Miracle. Pam Buckley, the mom, is played by Allison Aiken Clark. Uh, she's been in Out of Step, Pretty Darn Funny, and Saturday's Warrior. Um, and then we have the dad, John Buckley, who is played by Cooper Daniel Johnson. He's been in Christmas Oranges, Christmas for a Dollar, The Christmas Dragon, and Switched for Christmas. So he's got a pretty lengthy <laughs> Christmas repertoire. <laughs> and then our, our heroine of the group, or our love interest, is Juniper Goodman, played by Grace Hallows, who has also been in Christmas Oranges, Christmas for a Dollar, and Saturday's <laughs> Warrior. So my first question is this movie intentionally set in the 80s or is everything just horribly out of style he said well, he said at the beginning it was 1986 okay that helps me so much because i miss that part apparently well what bothered me about like, that what why bothered does everybody me about have scrunchies what bothered me about that is this is so intentionally trying to be a christmas story Absolutely. And I'm not even a fan of a Christmas story and it did such a poor job of mimicking what a Christmas story did. Yes. So let's get into the differences between the book and the movie then. So where the book excels is it's not framed as a Christmas movie. I mean, in the, it's called bullies in the headlights. It has nothing to do with Christmas. Christmas in the book is when the season comes, the mom decides in the same way that she did in the movie that they want to do elving for this family. They call it pixieing in the book. Um, but I liked that about the book because like y'all are both saying, the movie feels like it's trying way too hard. Um, and in the book, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like Christmas is a thing that happens like you would expect because the calendar changes. Um, the book follows the kids throughout the entire school year. So that was good, at least. So also, you got a whole year worth of these kids instead of just an awful month? Well, it's elapsed a bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the book, the boy there are seven boys, and they don't find out another baby is coming until the last two pages of the book, which happens to be Christmas morning when the mom and dad say, oh, there's one more gift. A little girl coming in blah, 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 blah in six months or whatever. So she's not pregnant in the book. I hated that in the movie when she walked in at the end with that baby. I, I was I was fine with the fact. I, I appreciated they called, they had the girl call out, you're home already? Mm-hmm. But like, oh my God, I rolled my eyes so much. I, did, I, I turned it off with like two minutes to go. I was like, I'm done. <laughs> Isn't that what happened, Julia? When you bring home a baby, you just disappear and everybody's waiting at home and you magically show up with a child? Oh, yeah. Hours later, walking yeah. like perfectly fine. Oh, yeah. That's exactly what happens. Well, that's maybe after you've had like. She didn't want to miss Christmas, you know. In fairness, Kate Middleton walked right out of that hospital after giving birth to her most recent child. She's a royal. Spectacular. Access to medicine none of us know even exists. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> she looked so good. I'm just she looked, looked spectacular. spectacular. <laughs> I was like, holy crap. <laughs> so another difference in the book is there is no love interest. Um, there is also no 
I don't think the Hagberts have sisters. I think they're just a group of boys, which would make more sense to me Makes because the sisters sense. in this movie were just like third wheel. Like, why are you even here? One. And what sister is that close to her idiot brother? A love interest didn't work for me in the movie. She was, and she was an awful yeah. actress too. She was but, the weakest link of this whole movie by far. But, yeah. but for me, I'll say that about the whole cast. I didn't find I didn't like any of them. She was ex- she was bad. She was the worst among the bad. I would agree with that completely. Yep. So in the movie the dad ended up growing on me a little bit. Maybe a little bit more like a boil than growing on me like something I really love, but he <laughs> at first I was not a fan, but by the end of it I'm like, okay, he's a little funny and he's endearing as a father whether it's realistic or not. And the mom had moments that also grew on me, but in a super sappy, ultra forced sentimentality down your throat, (laughs) like gagging. But I'm a Pollyanna. And if I'm sitting down to watch a two and a half hour movie or two, whatever, however long it was. An hour and 30 minutes. I know. Are you serious? An hour (laughs) and 36 minutes with credits. Yes. Good God. How yeah. is it that short? Yeah. It's like an eternity. I know. <laughs> I think I read the book and shorter than that. Um, <laughs> what did you think of the main villain in the movie? The lead, Hagbert. An awful trope. He's really- Again, the from a Christmas story. Yeah. But not as good. He was better in the book. Um but because, you know, you can't have terrible actors in a book, which is nice. Um, but that scene where, that scene where um, they're buying the Christmas tree mm-hmm. and uh, Buckley's mom gives him extra money and says, no, it's a special tree. And he's suddenly moved by her. Yeah. I, and the weirdness with the teacher at yeah. school. And like, the I know what they were going for. So in the movie, the teacher defends the Hagbart, the oldest Hagbart boy, the bully who torments the Buckley children. Finn. Finn, that's right, Finn. Uh, the teacher is like defends him when he's getting into a fight with Matthew Buckley, mm-hmm. and everybody feels sorry for him. They seem to know his story, but yet she gets. It didn't make sense, especially like he stole cookies from Matthew Buckley to give to her, and Matthew mm-hmm. had put toothpaste on them instead of icing in the middle, so that he would. Uh, and she was point. just horrible about she that was. too. I'm like, what? This kid gave you cookies. You couldn't just pretend to like them and then throw them in the trash. Like, that made me, I don't know. I didn't like the bully, but that kind of irritated me a little bit. <laughs> right. I didn't like the acting in general. I didn't like any of the characters or the acting. It reminded me again, and I lobbied this criticism against Pete's Christmas, but Pete's Christmas did it better. I'm not about to go on a Pete's Christmas rant, Tom. Don't worry. But if you were going to say this did better than Pete's Christmas, I would drop off the the thing and never talk to you again. <laughs> Tom, if I was, could only watch one of these every Christmas season as the only Christmas movie, I would gladly sit down to watch Pete's Christmas. <laughs> this is far, by and large, worse than Pete's Christmas. But no, what I meant uh, the, in terms of the acting, it goes back to what I said during that episode. It's very reminiscent uh, and the writing of modern day Disney, modern day Nickelodeon, Fuller House type overacting, overreacting, and very juvenile writing. Mm-hmm. So, so, my big pet peeve yours is raunchy Christmas movies, mine is juvenile <laughs> humor. 
I will take a raunchy movie over juvenile humor any day, Christmas or not. I just can't stand it. I never could growing up, and you can ask family, friends, or whatever, and I can't now. I just can't. I feel like that's literally the opposite end of the spectrum. Raunchy taste, like tasteless Christmas humor, and then ultra juvenile Christmas, like literally ultra I think juvenile tasteless Christmas humor. Right. Well, it's not just ta- it's not just Christmas. Um, growing up, I was a big fan of Boy Meets World. Right. I love and that show. Yeah. Now that we have Ellie around, we have to you know we have to have good family TV on when Christine and I are watching it. Even if she's asleep, we don't want her to hear things she shouldn't in her sleep. Mm-hmm. So we tried Girl Meets World. Girl Meets World. That's the perfect example. It is so over the top. I loved Girl Meets World too. <laughs> oh, it was so I really over the top. liked it. Well, if okay, if Boy Meets World when it aired was like Girl Meets World, it never would have gotten the fan base it did. No, it wouldn't have. And it would have aired at the time of night it did for the audience it did. Sometimes it that it's like the the little campy, little over the top can work really well. Like, um, oh, what's that show? Um, Oh, good luck, Charlie. I, I like that show. That's a that's a good example. A good, Teddy is a little over the top and the things and her reaction to things, but it's adorable and it works. Mm-hmm. This takes that and just runs way past the line. Yeah, I, but they do say, have a not, really funny line in it. I have one line too. I wonder if it's the same one. But it's about elfing mom. <laughs> no, but I like that one too. But. What I was going to say is, and I know this is me just hating on kids' stuff, like it's not my audience, because I unabashedly like a lot of kids' entertainment. I do. Like in terms of TV and movies and stuff that are aimed more at kids and families, mm. there's a lot out there that I like, but it's just this that has to go for the juvenile humor. I can't stand, and it takes me out of it and makes me cringe, especially in a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. It really goes for the cheap too. Mm-hmm. Even moments, even like the cheap moments, the easy gets when you're in a Christmas movie. The stuff that was hard for me was when I was a kid, I remembered those catalogs, right? Yeah. Like you would get the big catalogs and they'd come in the newspaper. I never got them in the mail. I don't know what the, the mail was. And also the, the book they used did not look like a Christmas catalog because it had a fireplace on the front. It looked like a service merchandise catalog or a Sears catalog. To really? Me. Not the cover, but the size of it. Yeah. Yeah, the size of it. Yeah. Um, but I would get those and I would look through and circle the toys I wanted. And that was such an exciting feeling. Mm-hmm. So how they can take some deep nostalgia that I have as a child and make me not like it. Also, not to mention, they were worried about this one catalog. Growing up, we got like... 10 of them in the middle <laughs> or more. So I don't know what they were complaining about. I need this one catalog. No, you would get like, like you said, Julie, it was the Sears and the service merchandise and Macy's and, and JC Penney's yeah. and yep. Toys R Us. Oh, it, and yeah, I didn't, I never got Toys R Us. My family was just not Toys R Us family. I was not a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> makes me so sad. Julia. Do what? Do you remember Venture? Venture? Yeah, it was a it was a store in Houston. I don't think so. It was of that same caliber, Toys? Of like no, of of like service merchandise. Oh, okay, gotcha. No, we were hardcore service merchandise people. And I also don't remember as a kid. So so going off onto a tangent today of how things are today, I don't remember. I went to my I went with my grandfather a lot to he was a he had owned a construction company, so we would go to Home Depot, Lowe's, those sort of places. 
I don't remember them being decked out with toys at Christmas time, but now they have so much. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Anyway. So another glaring difference in the book versus the movie um, is the character of Alan. So Alan is in the movie. Um, he's more in the book and I thought he was funny in the movie. He's pretty darn funny in the book. Like, and I'm going to frame all of this saying, look, the book is not something I will ever read again. And it's not even to a point where I would suggest other people read it. But for what it is, Alan's got some pretty hilarious parts. Like the ping pong match is a lot longer in the book than it is in the movie. And he talks a lot of smack and it comes off very funny. If you're reading it as an 11 year old boy, I would imagine. Well, I feel um, like the, I feel like the the role his role in this movie is just being Juniper's brother, right? Right, and in the book, there's no Juniper, so you get Alan because he's Alan. You know who's the most insufferable kid in this movie? Who? Simon. 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 Yeah. Oh, Simon. Every time he was on screen. Especially the beginning, the opening. I'll say this for the movie. I hated this thing. But I could tolerate the end, the second half, more than the first half. Mm-hmm. So this, the, talking about things that, that I actually enjoyed about the movie, I really found myself enjoying the scene where they were pushing the brother off the bunk bed. Yeah, that was fun. That was fun. And then dad walks in and he's like, oh, that's pretty funny. He stayed asleep the whole time? <laughs> yeah, dad was impressed with yeah. it and liked it. And Simon ruined that scene by saying, just for the record, it was my idea. Well, he's trying to fake a sleep. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Like his character was so insufferable that the scene I, I would have really liked, he ruined it for me. Yeah. I, I didn't so much like, so I liked background stuff in this film. I thought their pirate ship clubhouse was awesome. I would have loved that as a kid. Oh, heck yeah. And I loved this, just the background of the outside scenes of the mountains in the background. I thought those looked very cool. I was, mm-hmm. This yeah, filmed in Utah. I saw. Yep. yep. It is Although half the time I was trying to figure out if that was CGI'd in there, if it was legit. It was. Okay. Yeah, you, you could tell some Especially scenes. Especially when you saw Matthew and Juniper walking. Yeah. Yep. You could see the background was fake. Yeah. I yeah. did. The house felt like a Christmas house in the 80s. Like, it felt warm and 80s cozy. And I got no Christmas feels from the scenery. I got some. I got Not some. As much as I feel like I should have. As much I got as some I during the elving scene, but I yeah. mean, as far as decorations and stuff go, and the music was subpar. Like there's hardly any Christmas stuff in here, music-wise. In the book, the Hagberts. Mother is gone, and the dad is not working long hours to provide for the family. He's a fall-down drunk who beats them. So in the book, the whole pivotal moment when the Buckley boy, Matthew, kind of sees Finn in a different light is when Finn is getting in trouble from his dad for something that Matthew helped to cause, and his dad starts hitting him. Like, it got real. At that moment, I'm like, well, that just flipped a switch, Um, which I feel like is a better story a little bit for Finn, like why Finn is so terrible, different than his mom just not being there or his parents just not being there. It's like additional. I can see why they wouldn't put that in a Christmas film, though. Right. Well, and once again, the story is not a Christmas story. Right. So in the book, did they have a Christmas tree farm for some strange reason? I don't think so. I don't remember that part. That made no sense in the plot. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. I don't remember that being a part of it. 
but I may have missed it. Again, I read it very Did he quickly. did he kill the boy's pet chicken in the book? No. But that, that makes me funny. wonder if it was in I the, hated that scene. If it made me so uncomfortable. In the headlights. I loved it. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, that's a good point. It might have been the other one. Yeah, I think that's I one part that was probably in the first one. The I loved it when dad is trying to rationalize eating the pet chicken and <laughs> Yeah, I hated that. What I didn't like about that, though, they had the they, the plate at the beginning. They have this perfectly roasted, beautiful chicken, and the potatoes nicely arranged around it. Mm. And then they said that they ate all the side items, including the potatoes. But when they take the chicken out to bury it, it's on the platter with all the perfectly arranged potatoes still. Right, yeah. <laughs> Why would you bury the platter just because you cooked the chicken, you know? Yeah, I think it was going for cheap funnies. That platter is still buried out there today. Isn't that what he says? Yeah. That didn't work for me. No. You know, it's really hard for me to like, this might be superficial. It probably is. I've been spoiled by Hollywood. It's really hard for me to like low budget movies in general. Um, So I feel like if I'm watching a low budget Christmas movie or a low budget movie, it's got to have a whole lot of story to keep me going. And a whole lot of atmosphere, like with Hallmark, right? With Hallmark, but even like if TLCs, is it the Secret Santa that we enjoyed mm-hmm. so much? Yeah. That one was I would consider low budget as far as filming and acting and all of that, but I enjoyed that so much more because Mrs. Santa was Claus was very low budget too. A lot it of didn't the, look low budget to me. You didn't think? Well, the no. flying stuff, I guess, did. Well, yeah, that did the special effects, but not everything else. That one was like a musical, mm. you know. And there are musicals. I know it's in a different category for me. I hear you, but yeah. So I think that really didn't help me on this one because anytime I started to like something a little bit, I'd start to pick it apart by how low budget it looked. <laughs> but it didn't have to be. Like I said, I go back to that to the scene where they're pushing their brother off of the. Off of the bed. bed. That was funny. I did that like could that have part. been a great scene, and you didn't need a lot of money for it, and it was well executed. It had its moments. I can't say that I'm going to watch it again, though. I know Anthony won't. I most definitely won't. This is adding. <laughs> I'm adding this to my Christmas canon. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, y'all had mentioned a favorite quote potentially. I don't have any, but. So I liked when the neighbors were moving in. The girl, what's her name? Juniper. Juniper. Uh, when she came over to the boys and the boys ducked down really quick and she was like, what are you doing? And Simon made a joke about collecting soil samples, but Matthew was just like, how does this guy keep beating me? Because (laughs) that made me laugh. I didn't write it down, but I like the line where he's like, who put this in here? Nobody's elving mom. And that just made elving sound inappropriate to me. Like the dog farting. I I wanted I wanted to call out how cute the dog itself was, but I was like, I can't even do that because of that stupid name. Like, <laughs> On what planet is Bard another word for blush? Isn't that what he says when he's explaining it to Juniper? He's like, you know, Fard is another word for blush. I'm like, what? They should have just gone for we're boys, and we thought it'd be funny to hear my mom. It's Swedish, I guess. It's a Swedish cosmetic company. Interesting. The noun is from French, fard, meaning cosmetics or makeup. See, you can't drop stuff like that in a movie if 
you don't know that more than 50% of the population is going to get the reference. That's a fail. That was a fail. The name aside, I thought the dog was cute. Dog I have was a, cute. I have a thing for very t- well-behaved and trained animals, and he seemed very well-behaved and trained. He did. Any other things to add, or shall we figure out where this ranks on our well, list? Well, I, I think we can all agree Whatever we feel about this movie, it passes the Linus test. The whole elving thing helped it pass the Linus test. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, Matthew Buckley has the whole turnaround from, and it's stressed more in the book. It's um, So the writer of the book is a part of the LDS faith, and the book has a whole lot of that in it. Um, there's a lot of scripture in the book, and the whole family unification is a lot tighter in the book as well. Um so I feel like I got a leg up probably because I'm taking what I heard in the book about the parents saying, look, you know, we, not everybody's lovable, but we still love them because it's what we do. Um, that's heavy handed in the book. And so I probably took some of that with me into the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a total transformation of Matthew Buckley. I find that interesting because I feel like a lot of the movies <laughs> we're so down on actually do pass the line of stuff. But this one was feels contrived. It, it did. It was very contrived in the film, at least. It was forced. Yep. I realized though, watching this, I just unless it's one of the what we would consider the indisputable classics, like the ones in our top ten list, the like Home Alone or the Santa Claus. Kids in these Christmas movies don't do it for me. Every. <laughs> Uh-uh. I I think it and I think it's a cheap made for TV ones where you can't cast a real child actor. Maybe that's it, but I can't. Yeah, I think it's a combination of that and the storyline. But yeah, I don't know. Let's rank this sucker. So I'm looking over my rankings, and I want to make sure I'm being fair. This is actually worse than the Grinch live action. So I'm going with a 1.2. I'm going with a one. Gosh, I really rank Brady way too high, guys. <laughs> I feel like Brady is my the thing I can't get past. I'm going to give this a 0. 0.75. Oh, no, I gave it the highest ranking. That's shocking. So that so, brings it in under a one. So we're definitely hitting the bottom. Point, point this, this comes between I'll be home for Christmas and all I want for Christmas is you at number 33. Woo! I will say this is better than uh, this is not better than all. Uh, I'll be home for Christmas. I would rather watch I'll be home for Christmas than this. Well, that it ranked higher. I'll be home yeah. for Christmas. Yep. So I agree with that. I would. Well, we we're getting right to a point where we would all rather all watch I'll be home for Christmas. <laughs> That's no longer our. I remember when that was at the very bottom. The good old days. Getting <laughs> <laughs> oh. hard. Man, I feel like week to week, for the most part, it's a race to the bottom and not a race to the top, which well, is why. going to change next week. It is absolutely going to change next week. Yes. So I'll go out of order from our script since I said that uh, and say that next week, Literary Month continues with Mickey Mouse's A Christmas Carol. And we're going to be joined by our friend Tim Babb from Can't Wait for Christmas. Going to be epic and needed. Much and- needed. Yes, I, I'll have a lot of nostalgia wrapped up in that one. That, that for me, is very much like the Muppets Christmas Carol was for you, like yeah. in terms of growing up with it. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it again. It's been a very long time since I've seen it. Me too. Really? I watch it every yeah. year. I love that one. It has been a long time. Well, it's one of those I don't own it, so mm-hmm. I just have to catch it when it's on, and that's hard for me any season. And- 
Freeform does it very early in the morning usually. Like that's one of the ones they'll play like once or twice at like 7 a.m. Right. Yeah. Because gotcha. it's Which, what, 30 minutes, 40 minutes, something like that? It's, it's only like 30, 35 minutes, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm excited about that. I'm excited to get back in the land of good movies, even if it's just for a week. Full disclosure, I don't know what comes after that. <laughs> so I think then we get into our horror Halloween Christmas movie month. Oh, I can dig that. I can do that. Before we get into social media or Patreon, though, I have a question for you guys. Oh, I love questions. It's not like one of the... I mean, it's fun. I want to see basically... I want to see how good we are at a guessing game. I, which... Um, there are two Christmas movies coming out in theaters later this year. The Grinch and The Nutcracker. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be better reviewed by critics... And which is going to do better at the box office. The Grinch will do better at the box office, I bet. Uh Because of the name value. What I'm seeing so far says that the the Nutcracker is going to be a better film and better received. I think we'll like the Nutcracker more, but I still think the Grinch will be better reviewed because for some reason that studio, despite their crappy animation, gets really good reviews from critics for the most part. I hope not. Get get your prediction on the record, Julia. What is (laughs) it? Oh, I think I'm going to go with The Grinch will draw more Money money, And The Nutcracker will be higher rated by critics I just wanted to say I want to see how right we are Since we've said it, it's now etched in the stone of time It is etched Dun, dun, dun You like that? I, see, see, the reason why I don't think The Nutcracker because Alice it still gives out those Alice in Wonderland vibes, and all audiences love that. Critics didn't. That's true. So I don't know. Who has Helen Mirren? We'll find out. We will find out soon because November is only like a month and a half away. So, holy crap! Let us know on social media what you think about The Grinch coming out in Christmas and nutcracker in the four realms i want to know if you're excited to see them in general aside from how you think they'll do and if you see them when they come out in theaters post on our social media and let us know what you think you can find us on social media literally everywhere well not everywhere but you can find us on twitter at tis the pod instagram at tis the podcast facebook tis the podcast on our website at tis the podcast.com and we also have a very active subreddit r slash tis the podcast where we get very chatty really they get very chatty and i get chatty just sometimes every now and then julie will pop in and make a really good comment and people are like julia's alive and then she'll disappear again for a while yeah for (laughs) weeks and then i'll be like oh somebody said something and i'll go and make six comments and then i'm I'm out that's good for now I don't know how to manage it all. I can't keep it all straight. But we're fun on there, and, and we really love talking to you. So even if you reach out on Facebook through Messenger, we love to reach out back because we like talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. Also keep in mind, you can rate and review us on Facebook. Check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash podcast, where for as little as a dollar per month, you can get Tissa Podcast stickers and... Bonus episodes, full-length bonus episodes. If you're feeling that Halloween fall spirit, we have an awesome Hocus Pocus one. We have an episode in which we watch the movie Clue, which was Tom's first time seeing it in general, which is a lot of fun. And we have our full-length The Office Christmas episode and the Harry Potter Christmas episode. And we also have a lot of stuff coming for Patreon. We have, we're going to be covering Batman Noel for Literary Month, our first foray into Christmas graphic novels. 
we will be covering the Office Halloween episodes for October, the Friends Thanksgiving episodes for November, and uh, for Christmas, we're going to be doing Christmas commercials. We plan on doing an episode where we're covering all the new Christmas music this year, and we're even talking about possibly doing a live episode in which we watch the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center uh, lighting ceremony, which could be a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, check it out. There's a lot of good stuff coming and we'd really appreciate it. So we mentioned this already. Mickey's Christmas Carol is with Tim Babb next week. The following week, we are going to jump in with Christmas every day. And then we hit, once we hit October, we're going to do a little darker Christmas stuff. So we're going to have Black Christmas followed by The Snowman. And a very supernatural Christmas. With, oh, I'm so excited for that one. With the authority on Christmas TV, Joanna Wilson joining us. I'm excited. We're, gonna, huh. we're, we're letting you know a little ahead so you can uh, watch in your free time and engage with us before we record and we can get you on our episodes. Oh, yeah. Do that. That'd be awesome. So that's some good news for you guys. I think we have some more good news, don't we? We have... Julia. Yeah, mine won't sound like good news, but really it is if you compare it to what it could be. So my good news, I promise it's good news. We have approximately 2,328 hours until Christmas. Which is 97 days. 13 weeks. We are under 100 days. We're under 100 days. Holy mackerel, guys. I can't believe that. This year went by super fast. It really went by fast. I'm a little afraid this next 97 days is going to go by really fast, which is kind of good, but then kind of not, right? Right. I w- I w- <laughs> well, we me- I mentioned on the show, like, it's only a month and a half until November. Like, our Christmas stuff is going up in, like, a month. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I See, think it's only 97 days. It's time to do it now. We that's should do idea. it now. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm tempted to entirely skip Halloween decorations in favor of Christmas, but I feel like my, my kids would disown me. <laughs> so I don't want that to first. happen. <laughs> That's the spirit of Christmas, Tom. <laughs> Disown the children. All right, guys, listen, do your homework, and we will meet back this time next week for something I'm pretty sure we're all really gonna love. Last time we said that was about Rudolph, and we were the two of us are very disappointed. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a good week. So get your Mickey watched. And we'll see you back here next time. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Jinx. Just hear those sleigh bells jingling, ring, ting, tingling, too. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Outside, the snow is falling and friends are calling you. Come on, it's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. Giddy-yap, 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 let's go, let's look at the show. We're riding in a wonderland of snow. Giddy-yap, 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 it's grand, just holding your hand. We're gliding along with the song of a wintry fairyland. Our cheeks are nice and rosy and comfy cozy, are we? We're snuggled up together like two birds of a feather would be. Let's take that road before us and sing a chorus or two. Come on, it's
It's lovely weather for a sleigh ride together with you. 